the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, Ron Geyer. Back here to talk more about sin. How exciting. You know, on my Facebook post, I'm doing them. And I noticed I went from like a couple hundred down to maybe 150, down to 100. Now I barely get 50 or 60, but that's all right. I mean, hey, I praise God for those 50 or 60 people that are learning the truth about sin because our churches are refusing to address the sin issue in America. And I can't speak to the other nations, but that's why Jesus came to set us free from our sin. Jesus doesn't rescue us from hell. He doesn't rescue us from anything else but sin. He comes to save us from our sin. Matthew 1, 21. Hallelujah. So now that we've pretty much addressed, introduced the topic of sin, we need to talk about Jesus because Jesus and sin, they're hand in hand. Okay, Jesus defeated sin. Jesus came to conquer sin. Jesus came to free man from his sin. So we have told you about sin, how deadly it is, what it's doing here, why uh, Jesus has came to deal with that sin. So now America's biggest problem really isn't sin. It's Jesus, because Jesus has the one that dealt with sin. And so if we choose to sin, it's because we're rejecting Jesus So that no longer makes sin our problem. Now Jesus is our problem. We need to face Jesus and deal with him. So the deceitfulness of sin keeps Jesus at arm's length from most men. And Satan is a master and he uses the allure of pleasures to keep man in bondage to sin. He uses carnal attractions, which include the promise of power and wealth and material gain, unbridled sexual passion to hide the victory of Christ over sin from mankind. So here's the deal. We can keep on sinning and never face Christ, or we can meet Christ and fix the sin issue. It's done. It's a done deal. You know, the shame of it is that according to Matthew 21, Jesus has already freed us from the power of sin. He's already saved us from our sin. The church needs to do a better job of getting that message out. We don't have to live a life controlled by Satan and sin anymore, by our lust, the lust of the flesh. So then what's our problem? Well, there are several problems that are keeping us from coming to Christ because of sin, you know, while opposing our spirits, right? Sin, you know, our spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. While opposing our spirits, sin has become quite comfortable to our flesh. So the first problem we're facing then is that man likes sin, Amen. Man's flesh likes sin. Your your spirit should be in opposition to it. Your spirit should hate it with a passion. But man's flesh loves to sin. Man's free will, it's both a blessing and a curse. 
the will to choose will always be before us. That's the way God set it up. Unfortunately, man chooses what satisfies his flesh over what his spirit needs. The power to choose freely has become a God to man in itself. We've become idolatrous, and idolatry fuels man's passions. I'm allowed to think what I want to think. I'm allowed to do what I want to do. That's the freedom of free will. And yet if we are a sin-controlled people and have rejected Jesus Christ, it will kill us spiritually. You know, Adam, when Adam sinned, it took sin over 900 years to kill him. He never would have died. He wasn't supposed to die. Truth be told, you can't kill a spirit. Spirits are eternal. But Adam was supposed to live in his flesh forever. But then sin came and his flesh had to pay the penalty. And so after 930-something years, he eventually died also. Idolatry fuels man's passions. We think of freedom as having the power to choose freely to do or to obtain anything that we desire. That, in turn, has polluted man's thinking into believing that he himself controls his own destiny. I've heard it in in Word of Faith. You can have what you say. And we've taken that and we've developed a whole new doctrine out of that, that you control what your future is going to be. That, in turn, polluted man's thinking into believing that through the power of our words, we control what our future will be. The gift of self-will and self-governance has turned against us, and it has now caused us to worship ourselves instead of worshiping our Creator. And basically, mankind has chosen sin over Jesus. That's the deceitfulness of sin. That's the power of sin. It's my view that the church today, especially in America, we need to explain this better about sin and how it's keeping up from Christ and how Christ has dealt with the sin issue. That doesn't get out because they've told us to shut up about sin. They've told the world has said, shut up about sin. That's judgmental. The church has told us to shut up about sin because that's confrontational. And yet at the end of the day, it must be spoken of because the world needs to know (laughs) that they need to be saved from their sin. And Jesus has already done it. Hebrews 3.13, but exhorts one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened, hardened in your heart through the deceitfulness of sin. So even though we have been set free from the power of sin, and even though Christ defeated sin and its power over us on the cross, we, even as born again, spirit-filled Christians living in this carnal world, operating in our fleshly bodies, bodies of flesh, we still must resist the temptation of sin. We still have got to defend. We still have got to play defense against the arrogant onslaught of sin against us. This world, it's, it's an evil world, and it's, it's here. It's present, and we're here with our earthly bodies. What a deadly combination. My flesh in this carnal world Thank God for the Holy Spirit of God living inside me, who's freed me from the bondage of sin. So those temptations, they come in many forms. They come everywhere. Sin is everywhere. One can sin quite easily. The minute we step foot out of bed in the morning, sin is waiting for us like it was for Cain. Genesis 4, verse 4 through 7. But for Cain and his offering, the Lord had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his face was gloomy. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you upset? Why are you angry? Why is your face gloomy? If you do well, or better said, if you do right, or if you obey me, will your face not be cheerful? And if you do not do well, if you do wrong, if you disobey me, sin is lurking at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. So doing well here means obeying God. Literally, if you do what is right. 
For Cain, God's rejection of his offering led to a downcast spirit. Cain was wounded. He was hurt, perhaps pridefully so, and it showed in his attitude and his demeanor. What was the result? Sin was lurking at the door. Sin always has a desire to rule us. You must understand that. But like God told Cain, you must master sin. So if sin is lurking at our door, what's on us? What is our burden? Well, don't open the door. Make sure the door stays shut. And boy, boy, I could preach for a while on this also. There are so many ways that we open the door to sin. Let's say you're trapped in pornography, okay? Okay, well, you shut the door because you know Satan is lurking outside ready to come in. But if you're watching stuff on the video, on TV, on the computer that is questionable, that is uh, promoting sexuality, then you have just opened the door. And it doesn't have to be open very wide. Satan comes in. I don't go to the beach. The women there dress inappropriately, so I don't go to the beach. Hallelujah. It's just one of the ways that I guard myself. I do not open the door for Satan. You know, I was watching a video movie with my wife. I forget what it was called. Something about the the beginning of contemporary Christian music back in the 60s, the Jesus movement. And there were these guys preaching. One, who was it? It was Kirk Franklin. And he was talking about, he, he really said something really good. I was impressed by it. And it was excellent. And because I know he's had a testimony where he's battled with sin and he has overcome. But I also know that this brother... I know that he supports causes that are not Christian. And so that is an open door for opportunity to come in, sin to come in. And like Paul says, sin slew me. So we have to remember, exhort one another daily. Exhort means to to pull aside. It means to call one aside for the purpose of mentoring, for the purpose of uh, strengthening a moral stance in someone. And so we ought to be doing that on a daily basis, lest any of you have hardened hearts through the deceitfulness of sin. Genesis 4, 4 through 7, we just talk about Cain. Cain has gone ahead and God was encouraging in this. He's not condemning him. In this, he's actually encouraging Cain that, hey, it'll be all right if you do right. This is not a permanent daily, okay, I did not accept your offering, but you need to go ahead and move forward. You can't be downcast. You can't be moping. You can't be uh, just having a pity party. You've got to get past that. In its proper context, God isn't condemning Cain at all. He is encouraging him. And he says in verses 4 to 7, its desire, sin's desires is to dominate you. It's eager to control you. Sin wants to pounce on Cain, but God gives Cain a way of escape as he gives all of us a way of escape. Sin's desire means that sin wanted to overpower him, to defeat him, to subdue him, and to ultimately make him a sin slave, a slave to sin. You must master it, more literally, as you shall rule over it. God, in great mercy and grace, gave Cain a chance and a choice to master sin or to be mastered by it. We all face that same choice every day. Will you give in to sin or will you rule over sin? God has provided the power for us and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the blood of Jesus to cleanse us when we mess up. But he has provided for us the ability, the equipping to be able to master sin. And so it's just a choice that we have. Just remember, whatever God commands, he also gives you the power to do. He doesn't tell you to do something and then not give you the power to do it. So you've got to understand giving into sin. Who's going to rule? Sin is going to rule you. 
or you're going to rule sin. And that's what Christians face today. And it's something that is going to be an ongoing battle until the Lord Jesus Christ comes. But we must win that battle here now. So Cain, God rejecting Cain's offering, led to a downcast spirit. Cain was wounded and he was hurt, pridefully so. And so God told him, Cain, he lifted him up, he encouraged him and said, come on, you can do this. You must master sin. And walking around wounded or offended is an open door for sin to enter. And that's what Cain did. After God rejected his sacrifice, he warned him and he encouraged him. And yet Cain still went out and he slew his brother. And so here we are now. We're still living, paying for that. Romans 7.11, for sin, seizing its opportunity through the commandment, beguiled and completely deceived me, and using it as a weapon killed me, separating me from God. So we're talking about the law, we're talking about sin. The commandment or the law, it was designed to make people righteous, was it not? Okay, yes, never mind that the Jews could not, that anybody could not keep all of the law. That was what they had to do to become righteous. They had to obey every commandment, every rule, every law, and they couldn't do it. But don't forget, uh, what is it? The strength of the law is sin. And so by saying thou shalt not kill, you could have been going around and murdering somebody every day. And yet by the law saying thou shalt not murder, it is that that made you and identified you as a sinner in the power of sin. Okay, so the law was designed to make people righteous if they could keep the law, all of it. It promised righteousness and eternal life. The law was good. It wasn't bad. But God knew that man was not going to be able to keep it. But instead, through sin, the law brought death, revealing the fallibility of man and creating a need for man's Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul acknowledged here that sin used the law to deceive Paul. Paul, thinking that the law was going to make him righteous, when in reality what it did was it identified sin and revealed to Paul, you're not righteous, you are a sinner. Thinking man could be made righteous through the law, that was the promise the law held. But once Paul sinned, he was slain, forever doomed to an existence apart from God. The Phillips translation explains it pretty good. This is Phillips writing about Romans 7, 11, 12, 13. But the sin in me, finding in the commandment an opportunity to express itself, stimulated all my covetous desires. Okay, we get that. For sin in the absence of the law has no chance to function technically as sin, right? The strength of the law is sin. As long then as I was without the law, outside the law, I was spiritually speaking, I was alive because I did not know that murdering some was wrong. But when the commandment arrived, thou shalt not murder, sin sprang to life and I died, convicted as a sinner. The commandment, which was meant to be a direction to life, I found in me was a sentence of death. The commandment gave sin an opportunity and without my realizing what was happening, it killed me. God has provided a solution to man's sin. He has provided a solution to man's sin problem and it comes in the person of Jesus. But through Satan's ever ongoing deception, mankind chooses the problem over the problem solver. Jesus has fixed man's sin problem. I probably said that a dozen times. I'm probably going to say it at least a dozen more. Jesus has fixed man's sin problem. He has dealt with it on our behalf. He became sin for us that we could attain to his righteousness, thereby 
fulfilling God's plan for our lives. We are to be exhorting each other every day to guard against being deceived by sin. And once again, exhort doesn't necessarily mean to encourage somebody. It's a bit stronger than that. It's more demanding that. The word is parakaleo. It means to call a person aside, to entreat somebody. It means to encourage a person to pursue a particular course of conduct. It means to impel someone morally. Basically, we ought to be watching out for each other daily. How come? Because sin and deceit form a partnership that can harden the heart of even the staunchest believer if they are left unguarded. But God sent Jesus to destroy the power of sin and restore us back into right relationship with him. It was always God's plan for a righteous man to spend eternity with him. But Satan and sin got in the way. So God, being God, came up with a plan to counteract sin. And yes, God sent Jesus to pay the penalty and defeat sin on the cross. So then mankind's sin problem has been defeated. But we still live in these earthly bodies, and the flesh causes problems for mankind. Amen? Romans one twenty five, the easy-to-read version. They, sinful mankind, traded the truth of God for a lie or for the lie. They bowed down and they worshipped the things that God made instead of worshipping the God who made those things. He is the one who should be praised forever and ever. Not the things. It talks about the creature Right? We worship the creation rather than the God who made us, the God who created all things. We're worshiping the things he made, including mankind. That's called idolatry. And that, my friends, is the ultimate example of the deceitfulness of sin. Man replaces God as God and reinvents God for the purpose of serving himself. Absolutely, that's idolatry. Over the course of the last three years, we have warned our church family of every danger we could find in the Bible. We warned you of danger from the false men of God, from false pastors, from false prophets, from false teachers, from false apostles. We warned you about false teaching and heretical doctrines and doctrines of devils. We warned you away from cowards, from compromise, and from carnality. We told you to beware of religion and false gospels. We went in depth to paint pictures of what the dangers would look like. We definitely tried to help you identify what was true from what was false. Those are problems on the outside that assault us from the outside. Now we want to warn you about sin. It's something that you choose that can destroy you from the inside. I want to talk about sin. I want to talk about my sin. I want to talk about your sin. Sin in general. I want you to see sin and its place in the world and the culture and the danger it represents and presents to us as mankind, as children of God. Jesus didn't come to save us from hell. That will be the result of what he did. We don't have to go to hell now. Thank you, Lord. But his primary purpose was to save us from our sin. The whole purpose of Christ's sacrificial death and his resurrection was to save mankind from their sin. Again, Matthew one i I'll probably say this once a week. And she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That is the complete gospel right there. It's simple. What's the problem? Sin. Okay. What's the solution? Salvation. Okay. Who is the victim? His people, mankind. And what is the answer? Jesus. Notice we are Jesus' people by creation. Yet his people speak to those who receive the forgiveness and the washing from our sin, their sins, personal. Yes, this is personal. Sin is personal. It's very personal. We own it. Yes, Christ saved us from the death penalty for those sins. It's a vital part of the gospel message we are supposed to be preaching. 
Most of God's human creation will spend eternity perishing under the weight of that sin when they didn't have to. Think about it. What a catastrophe that the mankind's problem is sin. It has the potential to destroy him. And yet Christ fixed that. Christ provided a solution to that. And yet we never tell them. What is wrong with us? Preachers up there refusing to talk about sin. They don't love you. They're false. They're false. They're speaking for Satan, not for God. God wants to talk about sin because sin is the only thing that will take you to hell. And yet it doesn't have to be. That's the gospel. We need to speak it loudly, boldly. Hallelujah. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So God not only dealt with the sin problem, but he gave us a gift. And that gift is eternal life with him. Let me read it again. The wages of sin is death, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Unfortunately, the people that don't receive that eternal life in Christ Jesus, they still have eternal life, but it will be in hell or the lake of fire. But look at this. Yes, Jesus not only destroyed the power of sin, but then he gifted us with the opportunity to live with him forever. Actually, it's even better than that. Not only with him, but live in him. So another problem that man faces regarding sin is the false church. And this is where we are today. The true church has been created by Christ, but there's another church here in America. The false church. And what makes a church false? Well, that's easy. A false message. Yes, there are currently two churches in our nation. One, the true church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. They are doing a great job, by the way. They are boldly proclaiming what Christ has done to set man free from his sin. Living free from sin, these people are. Living free from the power of sin in their lives. They are preaching the true gospel of Christ without any fear of man. They are setting others free from their sin through the preaching of the gospel of the truth and the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. Then there's the false church. I call it the church of man. We've changed the gospel. We've made it to accommodate man's uh, feelings. We don't wish to offend anybody. It's all inclusive. They are more prominent, this church. They have a louder voice. They are more popular, man's churches. They have more money. They have a greater following, and they have a more attractive message. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk much about Jesus. They don't talk much about his return. They are comfortable. Their message is non-confrontational. More evidence, family, of the deceitfulness of sin. The true church of God has been charged with telling you the truth. Why is that? Because Jesus said in John eight thirty two, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Free from what? Free from your sin. Freedom from the deceitfulness of sin. It involves knowing the truth, though. The charge of the church is to tell you the truth. To counter any lie, you always must have the truth. And that's the responsibility of the church. But it's a bit more than just knowing the truth that's going to purchase your freedom. James one twenty two. But you've got to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So there are people that hear the word. But unless they're doing the word, the Bible says they're deceiving themselves. Yes, we must not only know the truth, but we must practice the truth as well. We must learn how to do truth. Otherwise, guess what? Look, here's more evidence of the deceitfulness of sin. Please understand this is the fallen world. It's the devil's playground and people are his toys. Galatians 1.4 
who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Yes, we live in this world, but we are not of this world. Christ gave himself for your sin, for my sin. He did that for the purpose of delivering us from this present world. Second Peter 1, 4 in the Amplified. By means of these, he has bestowed on us his precious and exceedingly great promises, so that through them you may escape by flight from the moral decay, the rottenness, and the corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust, and greed, and become sharers or partakers of the divine nature. God allows Satan control of this world up to a point. At the end of the day, though, God is sovereign and his perfect plan will come to fruition. But for now, it's up to us to choose whether we will give in to sin or not or receive the forgiveness for our sin that Christ offers and then live in the freedom that he offers. That's the choice that faces us. I pray you receive the truth of the Lord. I pray you receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's simple. Acknowledge you need a Savior. Acknowledge you sinned. Repent of sin and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.